Hello and welcome to Nudge, the consumer psychology podcast. Today's podcast is all about copywriting and what makes some copy more effective. Now, many of you might hear about copywriting and say, no, that's not my job. That's blogs or Facebook ads. I don't write copy. Well, I think that point of view for most marketers anyway is wrong because it's not just blogs or Facebook ads. It's web pages, it's emails, it's chatbot sequences, it's onboarding campaigns, it's sales contracts, it's how you negotiate a house, it's finalizing a divorce and even convincing your boss to give you a pay rise. Being good at writing copy doesn't mean you can just write a decent blog. It means you're persuasive in every type of written communication you create. So today I'm very happy to share that I'm talking to one of the world's experts on persuasive copy. Joanna Weeb is the original convention copywriter. She founded Copy Hackers, a much-loved blog and agency used by marketers and large organizations across the globe. She's been invited to teach conversion copywriting on more than 50 stages worldwide and one of the most interesting guests I've had on the show. In this episode, she covers the state of copywriting in 2020 and her views on what actually breaks through the noise and works. It's a fascinating discussion that started off with a surprise. I asked Joanna what she thought was the best practices for copywriters, and I was expecting a list of five or ten tips that she'd recommend, but instead I got something quite different. Here's Joanna's answer. The podcast I'd like to recommend today is the D2C pod brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. The D2C pod is a podcast all about all the things direct to consumer. The hosts cover everything from starting, growing and optimizing e-commerce stores and D2C brands. If you're interested in the stories behind your favorite consumer brands, this is a podcast for you. To start, I'd suggest checking out episode 318, which features the CMO of Feastables. So listen to D2C pod wherever you get your podcasts. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. It's like trying to remember the name of someone you've just met at a networking event. I've made this mistake before, introducing a colleague to my new friend Dan, only to find out his name was actually Ian. Being personal with your customers is important, but keeping on top of all that information can be very hard. That's where HubSpot's all-new service hub comes in. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. It's got an AI-powered help desk and an AI-powered chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. Plus, it never forgets a first name. All of that can help you scale support and drive retention and revenue. That means better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit hubspot.com service to do more for your customers today. You know, like two years ago, I could have really easily answered that. But things are changing so much. And I don't know if it's just the world or the speed of of messaging and communication change. And it feels like, well, every generation could say that. But this is, I think we can all agree, it's a particularly interesting time to be in any form of communication, particularly marketing. For me, when I think about the defining traits of effective copy, I would have said, you know, and I still, I mean, I still think that there are some things that are true. It should be based on what your customer 
says on the words they use, on the objections they talk about, on the features that delight them, and the way they describe that. So saying what they say, just mirroring it back to them, and then improving that using frameworks and formulas. So I still believe that great copy, effective copy, should be from the voice of your customer and should use frameworks and formulas. It's worth quickly covering why it's important to write copy that matches the voice of your customer. Now, the reason why is multifaceted with many answers, but I think the most obvious reason is due to the mere exposure effect. The mere exposure effect is a psychological phenomenon by which people tend to develop a preference for things merely because they are familiar with them. One of my favourite demonstrations of this effect comes from a 1992 study. The researchers arranged for four different women to attend a college class a certain number of times throughout the semester. These women were ranked independently as having a similar level of attractiveness, with no single woman rated as consistently more attractive than the other. One of these women didn't attend at all. One attended five times, one attended college uh, ten times, and the last woman attended fifteen times. These women didn't interact with the students at all, they just sat in on the lecture. At the end of the semester, the students in the class saw pictures of each of the women and rated them on several scales, including physical attractiveness. Now, despite having never interacted with these women, the students showed a clear mere exposure effect. That is, they evaluated the women they had seen the most, the one they had seen 15 times, much more positively than the women they hadn't seen at all. We share a preference, even at a subconscious level, to things we're familiar with. So if we see a style of writing or a turn of phrase that we recognise, we're more likely to view it in a positive light. That's why matching copy with the voice of your customer is important. But that's basically where I stop now. I used to have like 17 more that I could say, but we do so much split testing at Copy Hackers and it is... Stunning <laughs> how we can use better practices. We can we can apply like a total mash of better practices, do all the research, have a really strong hypothesis, very good reason to believe something is going to beat the control. And then we put it out there and it either goes completely awesome, like it's just it blows up, it does great things for the business, or typically, and more typically than the blow up is it does nothing at all. We have run so many well-informed tests for emails, for ads, for landing pages, for websites, like the individual pages on the site for experiences, and they come out flat. What we've been starting to identify as the most important trait when you're putting copy together, the most important thing to think about is what we call, and this is based on some direct response thing in some book I read, I know I didn't make this up, this idea of breakthrough or bust. That's all we're talking about now at our agency. That's all I talk to anybody about. Is your copy breakthrough or bust? Where the idea there is, it makes you very uncomfortable. You don't know if it's going to win. You don't know if it's going to lose. You're scared to present it to your internal team or to your client. Um, you're pretty sure everybody in the world is going to loathe it. You do not believe everybody will love it. That's where we tend to see real results with the only exceptions being things like, yes, you should stay clear. Yes, you will need to prove your points. 
So if you make an argument, you have to actually prove the claim using voice of customer data and testing frameworks, copywriting frameworks and formulas. Everything else is up for grabs. Everything. Length of copy, short or long, we've tested them all. It works differently all the time. Bland, voiceless copy that we just like, we've been calling it naked copy internally because it's so stripped of anything that you could possibly associate like emotion with. Strip that down and then also pushing emotion hard into like there's so many, there's really nothing you can walk away for me. I can't walk away and say, oh, here's what you should always do outside of the really essential stuff that's just plain part of good communication. But when it comes to copy itself, challenge everything. Nothing works the way you think it will. Joanna is one of the leading copywriters in the world. She's spent years working with the world's largest brands on improving the efficiency of their copy. And yet she's dismissing a lot of the best practices she used to live by. Other than the basic, plain and simple best practices, she's only suggesting one solid idea. This is the breakthrough or bust theory. While it might sound radical to pitch ideas that you know some clients won't be happy with, I think it makes a lot of sense. It reminded me of a paper written by three Dutch researchers, Peters, Wallop and Wedel, way back in 2002. Like Joanna, they realised how it was becoming more and more difficult to stand out with copy. They noted how the Vogue's 2000 edition, the Millennium Edition, within it 70% of the content was ads. They also noted how the average consumer spent no more than 1.4 seconds looking at each ad. In short, other than paying for more ad space, it was harder than ever before to break through the clutter, and this was almost 20 years ago. But the question was, what made some ads stand out? They gave 119 consumers eye trackers and asked them to look through two magazines, each containing 58 ads. On average, consumers remembered just 24% of the ads, yet some ads were consistently remembered by almost all participants, whilst others were remembered by almost no one. It turns out, that the most memorable ads contained two distinct traits. The first is that they were original. They deviated from the norm. They showed a product in an unfamiliar or unexpected way. This originality promoted awareness and recall. But the best ads did something even better. They mixed originality with familiarity. According to the researchers, the original ads that also contained familiar themes attracted the largest amount of attention and subsequent memory recall. The secret behind why we remember some ads over others seems to be down to finding the right balance between familiarity and originality. Too familiar and the ad will be too easy to process, requiring less attention and thus forgotten fast. Too original and the ad won't even be understood, seemingly too radical and unclear. Now, it's easy to say, just come up with original yet familiar ads, but that's easier said than done. Joanna's framework, however, does help achieve this. By pushing the boundaries of what's accepted, it means she'll end up writing original copy. But by sticking to a few core principles, like maintaining the voice of the customer, she'll also never create copy that's too original and keep a little bit of familiarity. It's a good framework to follow because as Joanna says, there's never been more marketing messages competing for our attention. 
everything around us is a message, like everything. And there's so much around us now and not just around us, like in our hands, it's everywhere. It's not like in 1988 when you saw 2000 messages a day and that was overwhelming, but they were all from marketers who were all saying marketing things and it all looked like marketing. Now what, 10,000 messages, 20,000 messages a day, who could keep up? And the ones that you notice are the ones that come from people you know which leaves very little room for a lot of us unless we're going to segment dramatically, get to know everything we could possibly know about our prospect and then write things in a way that feels organic in the spaces they're in, which is like a huge undertaking. I think it's a good challenge for marketing. I just think it's, it's a big one. Joanne is talking generally about the volume of messages there are across the web. But the same is true if we just focus on the amount of blog posts published. Using BuzzSumo, a content marketing analysis tool, we found that the average number of articles published per day has tripled in the last five years. Take articles about something general, like food. Five years ago, about 35,000 posts a month related to food were published. Now today, that's 130,000. But as the volume of posts and articles goes up, the amount that actually gets read and shared goes down. In 2015, the median number of shares per article was eight, and today that's half to just four shares on average. In fact, the majority of blogs, posts, and articles online just aren't shared or even seen at all, with almost 30% of posts online never getting a single share. That's why breakthrough or bust content is so important. There's so much competition that is getting harder and harder to come up with an original and memorable idea. The breakthrough or bust format forces you to come up with ideas that others haven't tried before. I asked Joanna to give an example of where she used the breakthrough or bust principle recently. So a more recent example of that breakthrough or bust idea is we were working with Prezi. Prezi is a client of ours. So we were working on an onboarding sequence um, and we did all the research and we're email marketers. I've written more emails than I could even imagine. I've overseen 10 times the number that I've written to. So there's an endless supply of email, you know, knowledge in our heads. And so we followed all of the best practices possible in an email. We did all of the research, we identified all of the objections, the order in which people uh, consider when they're going through the actual sales cycle in acquiring a solution like that. Like what, it, what are the patterns in how they think about features and what their outcomes should be and what they're looking for? What are those moments that bring them to look for a solution like Prezi? All of this good stuff. We're all cool with them internally at Copy Hackers. We present them to uh, Prezi, they're cool with them, we're all like, great, let's test this. Now that should have been our first like flag. Wait, everybody likes these? Everybody thinks this is gonna work? It's time to scrap it. You're clearly not pushing things far enough. So we put it out there, we test it, and just like, just like I mentioned, it didn't fail. Instead of it was just flat, just flat results, just nothing. I got all mad, I got irritated, and I started looking at some of the emails that have that I've been paying attention to to say like well what's what are other people doing that uh, that we could maybe try doing but there's this company called sticker mule they send these emails that they were so maddening to me they're a simple email it's basically like um 
my first name, comma, line break, some line about we have a new sale on die cut stickers, on two inch die cut stickers for $29 for 40 or something like that. And then it's a sign off. That's it. That's it. That's the whole, it's like two lines, no benefit, nothing, not nothing to help me visualize this, nothing more than here's a discount on this thing that you might've wanted. I'm starting to put together that, huh? Okay. There's this really stripped down email. That's breaking a lot of what Mark rules that marketers put in place. Might these rules be absolute crap? Um, and so then I put that aside. All right, let's let my brain work on that for a while. And then I was thinking about some other emails that were getting my attention. And there's this company called CB Insight. Um, so they send out a newsletter a couple times a day or sorry, a week or something like that. I don't, I don't know what their cadence is. I just know that when I get them, I open them because they're very interesting, the subject matter, but also the uh, CEO of it is, his name is, I think it's An Anand Sanwal, I think is is how I've only ever read it. So he writes this really like thoughtful, technical email. It's not overly technical to read. It's written in a really casual, accessible sort of way. But you get to the bottom of this email meant for entrepreneurs, meant for investors, meant for people who kind of take themselves and their work seriously. They, you get to the bottom and it's signed, I love you, comma, Anand, I love you. In this tech newsletter, what the hell is going on there? Um, so I have that with Sticker Mule. I've got CB Insights, I love you. Sticker Mule is really bare copy. And then I had one more thing that's brought to my attention. I had sent out a news, an email to my list um, talking about a blog post that we, that we just published. And normally I send a pretty long email. But then one day I sent this email that was a single line. It was like, if you want to learn how to X, colon, and then I just had a link to the blog post. And we got lots of responses because uh, so many people were used to us sending like really long emails. So to send this short one out of nowhere was like a noticeable thing. Um, and someone on my team came up to me and was like, oh, you sent the nine word email. And I was like, the nine word email? What's, what's the nine word email? And then she was like, go look it up. It's not actually the nine word email that I sent. That's a very different thing, but it was a very short email. But I looked into this nine word email and it's something worth Googling. So, okay. So I'm like still annoyed with the Prezi emails. I'm looking at these things that people are doing that are more interesting than the emails we've been sending. So what if we took Sticker Mule's bearer, uh, bearer approach to email copywriting, we took the emotion of I love you. And then we just kind of let that nine word email kind of float in our head. So I put together in like a couple hours, I rewrote this sequence, super stripped down, very bare copy and presented it to Prezi. And they were like, Oh, <laughs> I don't know about this because one, it looks like, well, that you wrote that too fast. We're paying you good money. Like what? Um, I want you to spend some time on it. And these are, these are pretty swiftly written, but of course there's a lot more going into it than the time I actually spent on them. So we test these emails, we put them out there, everyone's nervous about it, which is a good place to be if you think you might be onto something, like you should be a little nervous when you put them out there. You should be pretty sure you're going to be like horrified by how badly they performed. Put it out there and they beat the control handily. They did phenomenal job. We were so <laughs> relieved, but also so confused in the end that we had these emails that were really stripped down, that were 
breaking some pretty long-held better practices in email copywriting, they outperformed the control, statistical significance with great revenue boost. Joanna's recent breakthrough robust idea took inspiration from emails that completely go against best practices. Plain, emotionless messages selling stickers, tech newsletters signed I love you, and emails with only nine words. By combining these examples, she came up with an original idea that would grab attention, but also kept familiarity by sticking to a few of her best practices. The results are astounding. These breakthrough robust emails beat the control emails with an 18% uplift in trial to subscriber rate, a 71% lift in the number of presentations created, and a 93% lift in the number of presentations per user. That's a huge improvement, which would have been completely missed without this breakthrough robust idea. And by the way, you can read more about this by looking at Joanna's blog post on the subject, which I've linked to in the show notes. Now, Joanna's done an incredible job of growing her own business, building an audience of thousands and creating a successful agency. So I asked her, based on her experience, what advice she would give someone who's looking to get their own project off the ground. Write your own copy, for one. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I can't wait until I can hire someone else to do this work for me. But writing your own copy will get you so far because you'll learn so much along the way about what works and what doesn't work. You're a small business. You're targeting somebody. Focus on that one person you're targeting. Really focus on them. Yes, you will be eliminating other people. Don't worry about that. Don't let that in. Focus on the one person that you know should be saying yes to you. So start there with that. Research research them. Talk to them. Interview them. Um, and if you're like, I can't get somebody to get on a, on a call with me. Is there a place that those people are going in real life? Like if you're building, we have a client who builds driving tests online. So you can, you can do like simulations of driving tests online. And for us trying to get one of these people I mean, these are not customers who are ready to sit down and do an interview. These are mostly people who just wanted to quickly pass their driving test and move on with their lives. So we went to the DMV and started interviewing people there. You should go to places where your prospects are and talk to them. And you don't need to talk to a million. You can talk to a good handful of people. Um, the deeper the interview, the fewer the people you typically need to talk to. But really go get to know your audience. Then also get to know your competitors too. Not because you want to do anything like they're doing, but because you want to do kind of oftentimes the opposite of what they're doing or take what they're doing and do it so much better. And then you get into actually writing your copy. But out of the gate, start by getting that control version up, that first version of your website. Focus on that. Then don't spend too much time on your website. But yes, you should be writing it because you will learn so much about how to persuade people to say yes, how to talk about your product. But once your website's up, leave it alone for a while. Just let that happen and move on to email. Start collecting as many emails as you can. Uh, good emails are obviously far better than not good emails, so make sure you use double opt-in wherever possible. Um, but, but work on email. There's a lot of shiny objects out there. And if you demonstrate really well, if your product demonstrates well, then social media like Instagram and YouTube for those sorts of demonstrations can be great. Facebook as well. That can be great. But if you're like, I don't know how to use social media, don't use it yet. 
focus only on lead generation. So have those lead magnets up on your site to collect email addresses so that you can start selling things to people, whether that's getting them into your product, getting them to sign up for your service, uh, getting them to hop on a call with you, whatever that is. When you have someone's email address, you can do a lot and you can do a lot with segmentation so that you can send more relevant messages. Sometimes they will fall flat. Other times there'll be a breakthrough and other times there'll be a total bust. Whatever the case is, you can send out lots of great messages, learn so many things about the right thing to say with email. So have your website up, then leave it alone, then get growing that email list. And to do that, I would say where you want to spend your time because it, it can be very fatiguing to write blog posts, especially if you don't like writing or you don't like writing blog posts, don't kill yourself on it. There is that really great book, They Ask, You Answer. If you do want to start filling up your blog with stuff, uh, just don't overthink it. Read the book, They Ask, You Answer. It'll tell you exactly what to do. And outside of that, do those partner initiatives. Try to get on a webinar with somebody who has an audience that you want to get access to. Drive those people back to your lead gen page, capture those email addresses and start emailing them. Focus on how do I get that email list bigger with the right people. Don't wait to sell. Nobody knows how big your list is. Only you know. So you don't have to wait until you're at like, oh, I finally have 5,000 people. You can, start, you can start connecting with people and eventually and engaging them to sell to them right out of the gate. You can have three subscribers on your list and be sending sales emails. You might actually convert one. So don't wait too long. That's my rant on that. Focus on listening to your customers. Use the better practices as a starting point for the website that you write and the emails that you write. Be ready to challenge those later, but first you have to get this out, like just out the door. Um, so go ahead and use everything that you learned there. Using copywriting frameworks and formulas will get you much farther ahead Basically, the framework is how you lay out the argument on your page or in your email, whether that's like opening with a problem, then agitating the problem for your prospect, and then solving it with your solution, opening by grabbing their attention, building up their interest, like piquing their curiosity, connecting that to your product in desire, and then closing them. That's the ADA framework. And you can use that just to write the very first strong draft of your copy. Go back to it later. Don't overthink it. Your real job is to grow that list. So there you have it. If you're trying to grow your own business or simply to get a project off the ground at work, there's some top tips for you. Start by understanding your audience, speaking to them and learning their problems and the solutions they need and how they talk about it as well. Look at your competitors, not to copy them, but to know that you can do something different. And create a website for your control, which you can A-B test off, but don't spend too much time on it as it will undoubtedly change in the future. Then focus, focus, focus on email marketing. As Joanna says, you can sell to a list with just three emails. So there's no excuse for starting early and it is so much more effective than social ads. That's all we have time for today. But before I go, I want to say a massive thank you to Joanna. Her blog, Copy Hackers, has guided my copywriting throughout the year. So I was super excited for this chat and she really didn't disappoint. If you haven't checked out Copy Hackers before, click the link in the show notes to see her work. And if you're an organization who could do with some help, get in touch with her. I can't praise the power of building an email list without prompting you guys to sign up to my nudge email list. 
If you sign up, I'll email you every time a new show goes live so you won't miss an episode. But that's all you'll get. No spam, nothing else. Although I can't promise I won't try one of those nine-word emails for my next show. Anyway, that is all from me today. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Nudge. Thank you.